The following study is a Sunday morning lesson given by Pastor Brett Metter at Athey Creek Christian Fellowship. We are in the book of Isaiah. So if you turn to Isaiah chapter 21 at this time, um, I'd like to draw your attention just to a couple verses. Um, and these verses introduce to us a, a concept in the Bible that actually is very far-reaching and kind of trickles into a lot of the Bible, um, a concept. And the concept is sort of uh, around that concept of the watchman, the watchman. Um, you, you know, the, the watchman who was on the watchtower. Uh, what, brother, are you guys becoming Jehovah's Witness, the watchtower society? No, they stole that concept. But the watchtower was where the watchman would sit. Now, a watchman, um, it's, it's not a term we use as much. We call them maybe security guard, somebody who's keeping an eye out, you know. But a watchman is a person stationed at the highest part of the wall around a city in ancient times, you know. And, and uh, they would warn the inhabitants of the city of approaching armies, or perhaps if there was a messenger coming in the distance, they would sound their horn. Or if they were calling to battle, the, the watchman would say, it's time to go to battle. Da, 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 da. And they'd get their horn and blow it, and everybody grab their weapons and go out because the watchman saw that there was, you know, swords coming, you know. And, uh, and they would also watch over on the wall. They'd watch the pastures and the vineyards and the sheep and the flocks, uh, just kind of keep an eye on everything. And, uh, and that's what the watchman would do. Now, in the Bible, um, God would use that term, which would be familiar to all the people uh, in ancient times, um, as what the prophets of old would be for the children of Israel. They'd be watchmen on the wall. They'd be guys that would sort of keep an eye on what's happening and what's coming and sort of represent the Lord and be the voice of the Lord and say, hey, it's time to go to battle or it's time to be still. Um, But the watchman on the wall, and that would be sort of an idiom of the Jews of what God would do through his prophets. In the New Testament, it would be uh, what the pastors should do. And let me show you how that all kind of works out. It's here in Isaiah 21 is where we kind of are introduced to this in verse 11. Isaiah 21, 11. It says there, the burden of Duma, another name for Edom, and we'll talk more about that on Wednesday night. Um, the burden of Duma, he calleth to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman said, the morning cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire ye, return, Come. Now, we'll look at what this is all about on Wednesday night and kind of tell you what this is uh, really pointing to for Isaiah's time. But to say the least, doesn't this sound a little confusing? Um, They're yelling out to the watchman, hey, what's going on? Watchman, watchman, what of the night? What of the night? They ask twice. And the watchman says, morning's coming, but so is night. Now, that's not confusing. And then he says, if you ask me, ask. But here's the answer, return and come. Return means to go and come. So he's saying, it's going to be night, it's going to be morning, go, come, the end. (laughs) You say, Brett, that sounds like a um, Governor Kate Brown, um, you know, press conference. 
uh, or this whole COVID-19 thing has been so confusing, you know? Okay, whatever you do, don't go outside. But when you go outside, make sure and wear a mask. But don't wear a mask because it fiddles with your face and it actually doesn't help with the coronavirus. But if you, if you don't wear a mask, you can't go to Costco. Um, and like just the conflicting, you know, things that we've all been told about this and, you know, um, how brutal it's going to be or how many deaths there were or are. And there's just kind of this unclear noise that we've been surrounded with. So this is what the Jews were in ancient times. They really wanted to have a clear sound of what to do and what not to do. So the watchman would be given to that job for a clear sound. This watchman here doesn't seem to be giving a very clear sound. It's night, but it's also morning. And uh, we'll talk about why this watchman has that kind of message um, on Wednesday night. The context, by the way, of chapter 21 is going to be again the doom and the fall of Babylon, um, which, which we've seen a lot of the doom and gloom coming from Isaiah lately, and we'll see more of that on, uh, on Wednesday night. By the way, we've seen little brights of spot, spots of mercy and goodness too, though, in Isaiah. So this watchman, this stationed person that was to warn the inhabitants of the city, watch and warn, um, it's all throughout the Bible. Let's kind of peruse that just a little bit, if you'd allow me. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 62. Just go forward in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 6, it says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night, yet that make mention of the Lord keep not silence. Here, this isn't Babylon or Edom, it's Jerusalem here in Isaiah 62, 6. And the Lord says, I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. And what do those watchmen do? They'll never hold their peace. They're always going to be talking about what the Lord is doing. It says they'll never hold their peace day or night. That's what a watchman does, day and night. And it says, you that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. So this is talking not only about, you know, um, you know, military watchmen, but this is the prophet that is going to watch and warn those that are in the office of ministry. They're going to speak the word of the Lord to the people, and they're going to warn the people day and night. This is what Isaiah is talking about. Now, flip about a quarter of an inch forward in your Bible to the book of Ezekiel, that uh, major prophet, Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel talks about the watchman on the wall, and he has a word of sort of advice to the people and to the watchman himself about how they're supposed to roll, you know, as a watchman. What is he supposed to do and what, what should he not do? What should he be careful about? Uh, it's Ezekiel chapter 33, and it's the first seven verses of that chapter where we read this. It says in Ezekiel 33, 1, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the, the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword coming upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not the warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. In other words, if you listen to the warning of the watchman, if he blows the horn and you save yourself and run, grab your sword and go to fight, then you'll be saved. You're good. 
But if you don't listen, the watchman blows the warning sign and you're just like, yeah, whatever, then your blood is on your own head. But it goes on. It says in verse, um, verse five, uh, pardon me, verse six, but if the watchman see the sword come and blows not the trumpet and the people be not warned if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. This is a warning to the watchman to be faithful in blowing the horn. When the Lord wants you to blow the horn, you should be blowing the horn. And what's the requirement? First, you have to hear the word of the Lord, it says here, then you warn them from me. Um, what an interesting thing. The, the watchman, the prophet of the Old Testament was given this caution by Ezekiel that, man, you better be sure if you're a watchman, you better be sure you're blowing the horn when it's time to blow the horn, but you shouldn't blow the horn when it's not time to blow the horn. And if you're a, a listener or a city dweller, if you would, when the watchman blows the horn, you better kind of sit up and take notice. But if he's not blowing the horn, you're okay. And and it's more about the watchman's responsibility to be careful and and to make sure and only do the word of the Lord. And when the word of the Lord comes, then you blow the horn. And it's, it's a faithfulness in your watchman role. That's what Ezekiel's warning about here. Now, that's Old Testament prophets. And those prophets, they were oftentimes very faithful to blow the horn. The problem wasn't usually as with the, with the watchman as much. Uh, there was a few attitude problems like with Jonah, when God said, go to Nineveh. And he said, I'm not going to Nineveh. And that whole story. There were a few rebellious prophets. But but the Lord used these Old Testament prophets to be watchmen on the wall where they warned the people. And most of the time, the people didn't listen. And the blood was on their own heads because they were rebellious against the, the servants of the Lord. And they did their own thing. And they went when they were supposed to stay. And they stayed when they were supposed to go. And they just, they rebelled. Now in the New Testament, the watchman idea doesn't cease uh, from the Old Testament. We don't have prophets in the New Testament. We have a word of prophecy that can be given. First Corinthians 12, First Corinthians 14 talks about a word of prophecy. But prophets like the Old Testament, they ended with John the Baptist, according to Jesus. But so who are the watchmen on the wall? Well, there's, there's, um, there's a couple levels and layers on that in the New Testament. And the first layer, the first level is pastors, um, overseeing leadership in churches. You could call them elders, pastors, bishops. The Greek word there is episkopos. Um, The word episkopos means um, uh, governing like uh, an elder or pastor uh, that's leading a church or a part of the congregation. Um, The word episkopos is often translated to bishop. The problem with the word bishop and the reason we don't use that word in Athe Greek is because through church history, the word bishop has become kind of weird. Um, when I think of a bishop, I see a big guy with a pointy hat and a robe and swinging incense with smoke, and he's walking through, and he's very scary, um, uh, or, or, or maybe playing chess. Uh, you got the bishop. Um, so the word bishop has been sort of ruined, in my opinion. But the original word, the Greek word was episkopos, translated to bishop, or equally trans, you can transition to pastor or overseeing elder. There's an elder, which is given to the ministry of prayer and the word. Acts chapter 6 talks about that. 
But there's also the kind of elder that's an episkopos. He's an elder, he's a pastor, but he's sort of an overseeing pastor. And Paul the apostle gives the job of a watchman to the overseeing pastor, overseeing elder that you see. In fact, why don't you turn there with me? It's Acts chapter 20. Um, I love Acts chapter 20 because it's Paul meeting with a bunch of pastors. Uh, It's like a minister's manual of how to do it. Um, in Acts chapter 20. It's where we pastors say, man, how, how's, how do you minister to people? And what's our responsibilities and our roles? Well, uh, if you're in ministry of any kind, you, you should make uh, Acts chapter 20 sort of a, a study because y- you learn how Paul ministered to people and did his work. But in this uh, mentioning of sort of our role as episcopuses, <laughs> you know, a governing elder or a pastor, the one that's leading a congregation, or there's a group of men who are episcopuses. At Athe Creek, we have a group of governing elders. They're the ones that make the decisions about how the church rolls and, and um, what we do and what we don't do. It's not a voting. It's not a committee. It's a group of seven men that we have at Athe Creek that are guys that um, are given to ministry of prayer and the word, but also are overseeing this body. And the way we make decisions, by the way, at Athe is it's a plurality. Uh, we have to agree 100%, all of us. It's not voting, uh, the, the most win. It's the guys praying, and we'll pray until we all come to an agreement thinking this is what the Lord has called us to do and what we've called to, uh, to, to be as a church. That's the way we roll at eighth grade. Um, some people say, well, Brett, you're really in charge, aren't you? Uh, those are just guys that say, say yes to whatever you do. You don't know my elders if you think that. My elders are great men. They're strong leaders. And we uh, do lean heavily on each one of those guys to help lead this congregation. So it's really been a a miraculous uh, function of Athey Creek, frankly, over these 25 years. And I'm so thankful for those guys. But those are the episcopos roles that's talked about. Here in Acts chapter 20, listen to what Paul says. In Acts 20, 27 is where we'll pick it up. It says in verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Um, now, by the way, let's pause there just for a second. That's why we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible. Um, I could do topical sermons um, and teach on my favorite subjects and things that I think are important. But, you know, um, I think that for me, it's, there's such a safety net in saying we're going to go through the whole Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and not skip a beat. Because I have to teach things oftentimes that I don't feel like teaching. In fact, a teaching about the watchman on the wall is not my favorite subject to talk about. Uh, there's so many other things I'd rather talk about. But as it turns out, over the years, I've found that the Lord, whatever's on the Lord's heart, that seems to be where we are in the Bible and what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, where we're at in the Bible is oftentimes where we're at in life. And this watchman on the wall is as pertinent today and perhaps even this week as any other topic we could talk about. So it's interesting to me. I love going verse by verse because I I can work at saying, this is what I want to do. I have not shunned to declare unto you, Athe Creekers, the whole counsel, all the counsel of God. That's one of the safety nets of a through the Bible kind of church. So Paul makes that declaration and that's my goal. I want to be able to say the same thing Paul has. I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel. But then in verse 28, he goes on. And he says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And that word overseer, if you're a Bible marker, 
you can mark it and say episkopos. That's the word, overseer, governing pastor, governing elder, the ones that make decisions about the general direction of any given congregation. That's the episkopos there. It says, take heed to those which the Lord, the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. That's teaching. And it goes on, which he, the Lord hath purchased with his own blood. Now, this should be a sobering word to anybody who's in ministry or a pastor over a congregation or an episcopos, because, you know, the, the pastor's not the head. Jesus is the head. The pastor is just a governing leader that the head should be in charge. But even more importantly, to know that, that, that the Lord has made overseers of the congregation that he has purchased with his own blood. Man, I think that's so important for us as pastors to have that heart to know that, man, these people are precious in the sight of God. And by the way, when people talk about the church badly, I'm not into organized religion. The church is full of hypocrites. Pastors and churches are, you know, I'm not into that. I get a little bit, uh, a little bit defensive on that one because these are people that God purchased with his own blood. And they've never claimed to be perfect. We see flaws in the church. But, um, you know, it, it'd be like this. You know, we're called, the church is called the bride of Christ. Which one of you would walk up to a man and look at, a, look at his wife and say, you know what, she's got kind of a big nose. I don't really like your wife's nose. What would happen if they said that to you? Uh, a lot of us would probably not react very well to that. And if you're one who's walking around saying, the church is this and the church is that and the church is the other, be careful, you're talking about the bride of Christ. And someday you're gonna stand before the bridegroom and have to answer for what you said about his bride. Sure, there's flaws, we'll admit that, but she's still the bride of Christ and he purchased her with his own blood. Man, be careful when you start railing on the church and talking about the church. Well, here, Paul's saying, man, you guys are the overseers of the ones Christ purchased with his own blood. By the way, you know, my announcement about multi-site this morning, it's such a gut-wrencher because I love the people in Sherwood and Salem. And uh, I have such a heart for that group of people. And I know this is a, bum, a bummer, really, to not be able to reopen uh, because of the, you know, the school district particularly and, and just not having the right buildings. And so our leadership team feels that. Um, you know, we've worked hard this past year to make that work and happen and to have it not happen. We feel that and we feel for the congregation. Um, uh, if, uh, you know, and just, just that's part of being a pastor, I think, is having a, a heart to, to know the congregation. But check this out. He goes on in verse 29. Paul says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. There's going to come wolves in sheep's clothing. They're going to want to chop down on on some lamb chops. Watch out, Paul says to these leaders. When I leave, there's these wolves that are going to come, and they're not going to spare the sheep. So verse 30, he says, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, verse 31, here it is, Watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not, not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Do you see the watchman quality of what Paul's talking about here? It's the very same thing Ezekiel was talking about. The same thing that Isaiah was talking about. Did you hear? Therefore watch, these are the pastors, they're supposed to be watchmen, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn you, that's what the watchman does, blows the horn and warns, watch out, there's an army coming, there's a battle coming, 
And he says, I cease not night and day. That's what a watchman does. That's what Ezekiel talked about, night and day, watching and warning on the walls of Jerusalem. The prophets were to warn. See, Paul is reaching back into that Old Testament sort of analogy of the the prophets being watchmen on the wall. That sort of transitions in the modern day church age to what a pastor is supposed to do is watch and warn night and day what's going on, what to watch out for, and especially the wolves and sheep's clothing. Watch. Sometimes people say, Brett, why do you talk about some of those other ministries and you point out false doctrine and bad teaching? Shouldn't you just leave that alone? Well, see, that's the problem. As a pastor, I'm called to watch and warn those that would sort of, you know, be wolves in sheep's clothing who have, you know, wrong teaching and wrong doctrine and leading, as it says here, I've watched and warned those that would draw disciples after themselves speaking perverse things. Um, I will continue to watch and warn. That's just what I do. That's what I'm called to do. But he says, night and day, watching and warning with tears. The idea is to watch and warn, but also with a heart of compassion. Man, that's the one I have to work on probably the most. Uh, When I get defensive for the congregation of God, uh, I sometimes don't have great compassion, but I have, you know, um, more of a, uh, you know, anger toward those that would try to rip people off and hurt the congregation of Christ. So I got to keep that that part with many tears. I got to work on that one. It's an attitude and how we deal with um, problems and what have you. But he goes on, he says, verse 32, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So here Paul kind of is talking about the role that he played as a watchman on the wall for the church. He watched day and night and warned the congregation of things that should be, uh, they should be careful and to do it with many tears, to build them up in the grace of God. So it's interesting. And there's other passages we could turn to that kind of talk about this watchman role that pastors are supposed to have as, as our responsibility as a church. Now, here's the thing. One of the things when he says watching and warning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he w- reminds us of this role that we have of blowing the horn to make, make the congregation know, it's time to go to battle, or it's time to retreat, or it's time to be in prayer and be still. Whatever it is, check this out. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you can jot it down in your notes. Let me just quickly read it to you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 7 and 8, it says this, And even things without life give sound, whether a pipe or harp, except it gives us a distinction in the sounds. How shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? See, this is that watchman reference here in 1 Corinthians 14, 8, where the the, the watchman is supposed to blow the sound to to call to battle. But who's going to know to go to battle if the trumpet's not a certain sound? Um, what if it's a pipe or an organ or a harp or, you know, or whatever? He says, if the sound is uncertain, the people won't know what to do. And that's why one of the things at Eighth Creek we, we've tried to do is to, to make a very clear sound with the trumpet. Um, and so, you know, people say, Brett, you're kind of brutal sometimes when you talk about this or that or the other, and you don't pull any punches. I do that not just because I want to be a jerk, but I want to be the kind of pastor that blows a very clear sound with the trumpet. When it's time to move, we'll blow the trumpet. When it's time to be still, we'll blow the trumpet. Uh, when it's time to pray, we'll blow the trumpet. But we want a clear sound, and that's important. Now, here's the thing. 
That's what we're called to do as pastors, to be the watchman on the wall. In a minute, I want to share with you guys how we're all called to be watchmen, but not for the congregation as much. There's only the episcopos, I think, that's kind of given the role of watchman on the wall for the congregation. But, but there is something that you are called to be a watchman over, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But before I go there, I, I want to kind of address some things that are sort of, sort of, you know, church things that I'm watching going around the country today. And I'm not just talking about Athe Creekers at this point. Um, I'm going to say most Athe Creekers have been so amazing and just saying, man, we're going to, we're going to follow the leadership at Athe Creek, the governing elders, and we're behind you guys. I'm so thankful for all the prayers that, that we've been, you guys are telling us you're, you're offering, and we're all praying together and navigating through this difficult season. This has been a tricky season for senior pastors all over the country, by the way, um, not, not just at Athe Creek. I, I think there's been other places where it's been really tricky. And every state is different. California's governor is doing different things. Oregon, Washington, the West Coast, we're all very different. Each state is kind of doing different stuff. And I've noticed that pastors are being called by God in different states, like as a group, to do different things. Um, it's kind of interesting to see the way the Spirit is moving in the various states. And we have different, diff- different situation. You know, the church leaders, the elder boards everywhere around the country, the last few months have presented, you know, all kinds of uh, complex challenges that related to shepherding a church during the COVID-19 era that we find ourselves in. Um, things that a lot of you maybe haven't even thought about, but, um, you know, Athey Creek's had to really wrestle with, we've had, we've had people who've died and the families wanted funerals, but we couldn't do a funeral like this. And, and this has been a heartbreaking season for so many families who've, who've dealt with that. And even weddings that we had on the books that, you know, when the lockdown took place, the, the weddings couldn't happen because they were gonna have 200, 300 people at the wedding service. And, and, and we've had sick people who've had family members who wanted to go visit in the hospital, but you couldn't. Like there's just, it's just been an interesting season as far as ministry goes. You know, if the, the logistical details weren't challenging enough, how to maintain social distancing uh, with staff and congregation. When the time comes for us to reopen the sanctuary, um, you know, uh, my staff is ready to roll, uh, by the way. And, and de- depending on how we reopen and what we need to do and how to prepare, the, the team's ready to roll. Um, and they've worked really hard at uh, figuring out how is Athey Creek going to do this. And, and uh, we're ready. We could, we could start right now if we wanted to. Well, Brett, then why haven't you? Well, see, this is where I kind of wanted to go with this. I've noticed that there's a lot of noise out there of people that are saying one thing or the other. And I've got good friends, people I respect and love, who have completely opposite opinions about uh, what, what the church should be doing or could be doing. And I find it interesting because, um, man, I, I've, I've just been talking to a lot of pastor friends too, and they're, they're all kind of feeling pressure from different angles. And, you know, some, there, there's major uh, views across the spectrum. You got the person that says, man, we got to be careful the COVID's going to get you. Uh, everybody's going to get sick. And man, churches need to be responsible and follow the governor's, you know, um, mandate that we don't have anybody meet, you know, and, and uh, all this stuff. And, and then there's the other side saying, man, the church is the church and we don't answer to anybody but God. And um, we should be meeting right now, Pastor Brett. You're a total wimp because you're, you know, bowing down to Kate Brown. I've, I've had people say stuff like this. And um, it's so funny that the two different sides of the very uh, different, uh, different opinions. 
So what do we do with this? Um, and uh, trust me, there's, there's massive opinion on the other side. Here's the thing for me and for the elders. I'll just speak for, for our team of governing elders. We don't care what you think. And we don't care what coronavirus is all about as far as decision-making for Athey Creek. We don't even care what the governor or the president. Now, wait a minute, let me just say some things. Um, what we care about is what God wants us to do. And we want to know the heart of the Father in heaven. We want to know what God would have for Athey Creek. I love what the president said this week. Man, when he came out and said uh, this week, and, and you know, it's, by the way, I got to say this because uh, maybe this, I could slow down the flood of stuff that I get all week long. But a lot of you, bless your heart, you think that I, I must not have heard the announcement from President Trump. I'm a newsie. I know more about news than most people should ever know. And I'm on the news. I watch it live. I, when president's saying stuff, I'm watching it live. And, but I got no less than 100 people saying all that day, Brett, did you see what the president said? Did you see what, you know, what's Athey Creek going to do? do? Are you guys aware of what's going on? I'm, I'm deeply aware of not only what the president said, but every one of the conspiracy theories around what's happening. I know all of those things because I have people sending me hundreds of articles and people saying, Brett, do you understand? Are you aware of what's going on? Do you understand the scandal and the control and the money that's involved? Do you understand the uh, the socialism? Do you understand Kate Brown and her team? We get that. We really do. I'm probably more aware of that than most people. Um, I would challenge anybody to a quiz on all the conspiracy theories and the things that are true or might be true. I'm really aware of that stuff. And so is our leadership team. But my point is we don't care about all that stuff. What we care about as pastors of this church as, and elders and overseers is to say, Lord, what would you have us to do? And frankly, sometimes what the Lord has us to do has nothing to do with the COVID virus. It might have more to do with our witness and our testimony to the unbeliever in the Portland area. Um, Portland's a very different place than California, and the attitudes here are very different. And we got to remember what our main objective is. Is, it, is our main objective to keep everybody healthy from the COVID virus? Nope. Our main objective here at Athey Creek is very clear, to see people come to know Christ, to be saved, to be one for the kingdom of heaven. And then once people are saved, to feed them the word of God and teach the scriptures. Uh, our, our job is very clear. And so, so, you know, what a lot of people's agendas are may not necessarily be our agenda. Um, so we have to kind of remember that. So uh, what do the elders do? Well, we listen to what Kate Brown says. We listen to what the president says. Um, we know what the facts are. We talk to doctors. I have even a panel of people and the doctors from Athey Creek who've advised me on all kinds of things. And, and uh, frankly, you know, you, you'd probably be proud of our, our team because, um, you know, uh, we've done a lot of work on this. But one thing I can say is we're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid of, you know, um, even if we had to someday, I could see the church going against the governor's orders. That's, that's, that'd be no big deal for me. Uh, and for our leadership team, no big deal. But what does the Lord want us to do? And so after praying about it, the Lord has put it on our heart to just wait and be patient, not just to open our doors and just to quickly kind of come up with a social distancing plan. We have all that in place. We could do that tomorrow if, or today if we wanted to. But the Lord told us this week after prayer, we, we know the Lord wants us to try to be compliant, to be peacemakers, to be loving, compassionate for the people that are freaked out. Man, you know, I get all these scriptures from people saying, Brett, David didn't, you know, falter in his faith when he fought Goliath. 
You know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't falter in their faith when they stood before the fiery furnace. And, and, and they sort of interpret Athe Creek as, as sort of faltering in our faith because uh, we're, we're not opening our doors this Sunday. Um, let me give you some, just an example of kind of um, stuff that, you know, I get all the time, by the way. This, isn't, this was just kind of an interesting one. And probably this dude was well-meaning, I think. Um, but he says, Hebrews 10.25, we are not to forsake the gathering of the saints uh, and all the more when you see the day approaching. And he did that all in caps. When you do that, by the way, that means you're yelling. <laughs> um, why are you still holding off services uh, when the government gave the go-ahead to open up? especially all these updates about the end times, which I believe we are in, which I do too. That's why I do the updates. But the updates doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go to battle against the governor right now um, and fight the whole thing. Um, People, if you think that's what my prophecy updates are about, then you've missed the whole point. Um, uh, It says, um, it was just two weeks lockdown, I understand. We follow the government. But now it's the third month and now it's all about power. Wouldn't even disagree with you on that. Uh, look at California's governing body refusing to let churches open and calling them entertainment. Um, it's like saying my neighborhood is full of atheists and they get mad at me when I present the gospel, so I won't. That's ridiculous, this guy says. Uh, there comes a point where you either follow God or the government, and this was a test run to see which churches roll over and which ones don't. Sad to say, Athe Creek has rolled over. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, that's actually ridiculous, in my opinion. We have not rolled over. Let me tell you why. Um, it'd be rolling over if she mandated that churches can no longer meet. Um, uh, what she actually has done, Kate Brown said, NBA can't play basketball, football, NFL can't play, uh, sporting events, concerts. Everyone, my barber is out of business for crying out loud. Like everybody's under this thing. Now, whether you agree with it or not, that's a whole separate deal. But it's not just churches right now. It's kind of everybody. Um, that's the first thing. Uh, and then secondly, um, what, what constitutes a meeting or gathering when it says Hebrews chapter 10? Now, don't, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I've preached on Hebrews chapter 10 over and over about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as the custom of some is. Um, but, but here's the thing. Athe Creekers, we've been meeting this whole time, uh, just not with 5,000 people. Normally, we have 5,000 people go through this building every weekend. Um, and that's great. We love that. But does the Bible mandate that you have to meet in 5,000 people? See, I, I felt like in some ways, um, what we've been doing lately has been a giant blessing. Our online presence right now has doubled since the COVID virus. People are watching and hearing teaching over the word. We've had tons of people accept Christ during this that may not have had we not been in this season. Um, do I look forward to being back in the building? soon as possible, as soon as the Lord gives us the green light. I'm not looking for Kate Brown's green light. I'm not looking even for the president's green light. I'm looking for the Lord's green light to re-meet and to gather again. Um, but we're, we're meeting. If you saw Wednesday night, it was very heartwarming. There was a group, a uh, bunch of people who do small meetings for Wednesday night in homes, and they did this video, and I rolled it. If you, if you didn't see it, check out our Facebook. There's a, a thing about that um, where this, these people— you know, did that, the Lord bless thee song that we do at the end of Wednesday night. And it just showed all the groups of people meeting, studying the Bible in tiny groups. Man, Bible says if two or more are gathered in the name of, you know, to, to worship the Lord there, he's right there in the midst. So we've been meeting like crazy. We've, I, we've got thousands of meetings going on. We're gathering to worship the Lord. It's not what we would first choice or what we'd want. 
You know, um, it'd be like saying in the early church when persecution started coming, you know, Acts 2.42 says they met, you know, daily in the temple and then from house to house. When persecution started coming, did they meet daily in the temple? No. They met from house to house and then they became very much into small groups under persecution. Um, That could come too. If the church becomes very persecuted, um, you know, I know there's some of you, and, and, and you have the worldview that, man, if the church is persecuted like that, we're going to get our ARs. We're going to start shooting it up, and uh, we're going to do church if it kills us. Um, I'm not sure that's the heart of the Lord at all. Uh, but but we're not, here's the problem. We're not even at that level. This guy here is saying the church, Athey Creek, has rolled over. I think that guy is just off. What we've done is chosen to be patient and also to, for this season— to obey uh, the laws of the land, just like everybody else is having to. The Portland Trailblazers are having to do this. Um, and we're trying to be peacemakers. Uh, do I, am I afraid of the COVID virus? No. Do I think it's even what they say it is? Really, if you know my opinion, no. Um, but I'm wanting to be more about just being kind, compassionate, loving, and patient during this season. You know, here's what the Bible says about that. Let me share with you some scriptures. Um, and the context of this is pretty powerful. It's in Romans chapter 12 and 13. Here's what Romans, you know, and, and the early church, by the way, they knew more about this than we do by far. Our little COVID crisis where the governor's saying, you know, no big groups meeting. We think it's such a big deal. These guys would have said, that's child's play compared to what the Romans were doing at that time with the church. Um, but listen, here's what, here's what Paul said in Romans 12, 16. He said, be of the same mind one toward another. Uh, unity. Uh, mind not high things. Don't be bigger than your britches. Don't be thinking you know more about stuff than you really do. There's a lot of people that think they're pastors of churches. There's a lot of people, bloggers, uh, podcasters, or telling pastors what to do. But they're not pastors. Uh, but they think they're pastors. Um, remember I was talking about blowing the horn and the watchman on the wall? That's the pastor's role. I've, got a, a, I've noticed in America today, we've got social media, we've got all this noise, and everybody's blowing horns. They're little goofy little horns that sound not so good. Let's go to war. And, and, uh, and pastors are like, well, we're not blowing the horn, but we're the watchmen on the wall. Uh, I'm just saying, you can, you can think about that one. Are, is there such a thing as pastors seeking the Lord and leading their congregations anymore? Or have we adopted more of the worldview that you're not the boss of me and we should tell you what to do? Um, That's just kind of an interesting change that's happened only in modern history. But what does Paul say? He says, don't mind the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Frankly, this guy that wrote this little note and a few others that I got, I think they think they know more than they actually do. Um, truthfully. They're, they're, they're not really following this. But it even gets more pointed. It says, if it be possible, live as, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. If, if, if it's at all possible, try to live peaceably with all men. And I would include women and governors and presidents and all that stuff. Live peaceably. If it's at all possible, so here we are. Is it possible for us to still meet in small groups uh, over the internet and do some really cool stuff with church right now? It's happening. We're seeing great ministry happening. And if it's pe- possible to be peaceful with them, should we do that? Says that. Well, Brett, that's just the church. That's the out of context of what the government. No, it's not. 
the next chapter, which there's no chapter breaks in the original letter from Paul, what does he say? He says in chapter 13, verse 1, after saying all this, um, he says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he that is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Here Paul's saying, do, you know, Whoever's the powers that be, you're supposed to do what they're, they're telling you to do. Um, and let the Lord deal with it. The Lord put them in power, so deal with that. Well, Brett, what, is, what does Paul know about Kate Brown and the evils of the Oregon state government? Um, Kate Brown looks like Mother Teresa compared to Caesar Nero, who was in power at this time. Nero was the guy who was dipping Christians in hot wax and hanging them on street lamps in his gardens. And he would drive by in his, in his chariot as they would be lit on fire, these Christians. And he would ride nakedly in his chariot, shrieking with delight, saying, Christians are the light of the world. <laughs> and these Christians were burning. That's a tough day at church for a Christian back in Nero's time. Those are the same ones Paul's talking about in this message. The powers that be. Well, Brett, is there ever a time where we should disobey those powers? Yes, 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 there is a time. But now is not it. Um, and you can listen to your blogger or your podcaster or your mother-in-law or whoever you're listening to. But if you want to know what a pastor who teaches the Bible says, this is not the time to call people to battle. I'm not tooting the horn saying, time to go to war with the state of Oregon. I just don't feel that that's what the Lord's doing. And that's come through real prayer and seeking the Lord and a safety and a multitude of counselors. And you'll find that a lot of the Oregonian pastors are saying, especially of the big churches, because we, we have a ton of people uh, and it's a little different. The bigger churches, you'll see that we're all amazingly, which we're not in agreement on a lot of things most of the time. But isn't it interesting that the state of Oregon, a lot of the pastors of the big churches are kind of saying, yeah, let's just be patient um, and see what happens. Now, if the governor came out and said, um, uh, everybody should have abortions and you have to have an abortion because the population in Oregon is too great. We would defy that because that's absolute breaking of God's word. Well, you're breaking God's word because you're not assembling yourselves together. I don't think that's what's happened yet. If she goes and says permanently churches can never meet again uh, and she breaks that the law, then yeah, you'll find that we will fight against that. But that's not what's happened. There's been a temporary thing against churches, but also against sporting events and a bunch of other things. My poor barber is not cutting hair anymore. There's a lot of things. Do I agree with it? It's not even the issue. It's just trying to say, okay, we got to balance what the Bible says. To If it's at all possible, live peaceably with all men. In the context of that, the powers that be are ordained of God, so try to live peaceably with them. That's what we're doing by being compassionate, loving, you know, it's interesting because uh, Paul had an issue in his day, and th this kind of reminds me of this. Um, am I freaked out about the coronavirus? No. Do I think a lot of it's stupid? Yes. Did you know that there were people eating steaks in Bible times? These Christians, they'd go down to the shambles. That's the market where the steaks that were really cheap, but they were good steaks, but cheap. <laughs> steaks, this is my wheelhouse right here. 
they would get these steaks that were sacrificed to idols, animals sacrificed to pagan deities, and then they would take that meat and sell it in a market. And the Jews said, you can't eat that meat. It's been sacrificed to idols. Well, when the church got started and the Christians were doing this, a bunch of Christians started eating the meat because it was cheaper. And they were eating meat sacrificed to idols. And it became a controversy. Should Christians eat meat that was sacrificed to idols? And Paul, interesting, made this, this really interesting argument. He said, you know what? It's not about the meat. Um, you know, if you want to have meat sacrificed to idols, great. But he said, he, he made the argument of not letting your liberty sort of be a stumbling block to the other people that are less mature than you. Spiritually immature people are freaked out. Oh, you ate meat sacrificed to idols, and they, it, it would stumble their faith. So Paul said, because of love, maybe you should not eat the meat sacrificed to idols, not because you can't eat the meat, but because you need to actually be more loving uh, to those people that are immature. That's the way I feel in some ways about this whole, you know, uh, lockdown. Uh, there's people that believe it. There's people that are freaked out about it. I'm not one of them. But, um, but because um, people are freaked out and we're told to live peaceably with all men, to, to follow the powers that be, and we're still meeting. We haven't stopped assembling ourselves just in smaller groups. That's all that we've done. Then I'm okay with just plugging away, doing what we're doing for this season. There is an end, I think, to this season. Uh, and we'll, we're praying about that. We're keeping our finger on the pulse. We're listening to all the news and conferences and all that stuff. But for right now, the Lord has made it really clear for this leadership team that this is what we're supposed to be doing. I hope that makes sense to you. And I'm not trying to, you know, hammer away at those of you that have a different opinion than, 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 than we have. It's just that, man, there's got to come a point where you say, okay, we're just going to let Pastor Brett and the governing elders uh, sort of lead Athey Creek and do what they feel called to do and not cause division and not um, be a person that's stirring up trouble uh, out there in, in, the, in the congregation. Um, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, he says, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of his love, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, do nothing through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than yourself. That's what I'm asking of a congregation at Athey Creek. You might know better than me or us or our leadership team, but it's time for us all to be humble to be united. Um, I'm not looking for uniformity, that we all have to think the same, but I'm asking for unity. Um, that's what I'm asking for, is for us to say, this is what the Lord has led the, the leadership at Athey Creek to do. And so I think it'd be a great testimony for not only Athey Creek, but for the church in, of Jesus Christ in general to really work carefully in these days. Maybe this is a test run. Speaking of the test runs, like this guy said, maybe this is a test run to see if we can actually be united uh, during a crisis. Because I think greater crises are coming for the church of Jesus Christ. And hopefully we have a watchman on the wall who's making a clear sound with a trumpet. Hopefully we don't have 500,000 trumpeters blowing their little kazoos and clarinets and trumpets and trombones. And it's just this big, ugly, ah! That's kind of what I'm hearing right now. Um, I think we should designate who God says, let's let the, the church leaders pray through, work on, and try to be unified in how we approach these things. And each state's different. Each situation's different. Trust the Lord to work through his leaders. That's kind of something I think it's good for us to think about. You might say, Brett, I don't like organized religion. This is why you are saying you're the only one who should make decisions, which I'm not saying that. 
but I, I know who you are out there. I'm not into organized religion. Well, as it turns out, God is into organized religion. God loves his church. Remember, he purchased it with his own blood. And even though we're flawed and might have big noses, you're not going to go up to the Lord, I hope, and say, I'm just not into organized, I'm not into the church. Uh, hopefully, that's, that's worse than forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, uh, like so many people are claiming is the biggest problem here. You, you need to say, you know what, I, I'm going to choose to live peaceably with all men and try to not be part of the problem. So if you have a blog or a podcast, or if you're on social media, you know, stirring up trouble, repent. Uh, be, be careful. Um, you aren't the full authority on anything. I don't even claim to be that. Uh, but we're going to just seek the Lord. We're going to do what his word says and see how the Lord shakes that out. That's the way to go. So all that to say, be in prayer. This is an interesting season we're in. I don't think this is the end of all things right now. I think that we'll be back in the building here before too long, and I'm excited for when that happens. But let's just be patient a little while longer. Now, before I close, and I have just a few more minutes here, um, the watchmen of the New Testament largely is the pastors, the leaders, the elders, the episkopos that I was telling you about. But did you know there is then another layer of watchmen that you and I are called to be. And it's in Mark's gospel, chapter 13. I'll just end with this. Um, Jesus mentions this, and I love this one. You are called to be a watchman, not for the congregation as the church, but you are called to be a watchman as it relates to the last days, the end times. See, it's okay to, to talk about what's going on. I'm not saying we can't talk about how maybe, if you want to talk about how um, we're moving to more of a one world government, or you know, maybe there's some power-hungry politicians. That's different. I'm talking about, the stuff I was talking about before is about how the church is moving forward. Be careful on that one. But as far as it relates to the end times, the last days, we should be pointing out, you should be pointing out, could this be the last days? See, here's the thing. You and I have an opportunity right now to say, boy, the church needs to reopen and blah, blah, blah. Or you could say, isn't it amazing the days we're living where the government is seeking to sort of control a little more and and, um, and it seems to be diminishing religious organizations. Isn't that interesting? Because the Bible talks about in the last days, there'll be a one world government and there'll be a one world religion. Man, it's a springboard for us to watch and blow the trumpet about the days we're living in. Here's what Jesus said, Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Jesus, this is by the way, the Olivet Discourse, when the disciples said, what about the end of the world? When's it gonna be? What's it gonna look like? And you've got the dissertation. The biggest one's Matthew 24. We've also got Luke 21. But in Mark 13, I, I chose this one for today because I like the way this one sort of wraps up what Jesus says. He says here in Mark 14, 32, Jesus says, but of that day, that, that hour, no man knows, not even the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. So he says, take heed, watch. There's the watchman watch and pray for you know not when the time is for the son of man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch watch ye therefore jesus said for you know not when the master of the house cometh or at evening or at midnight or the cock crowing in the morning lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping and what I say to you, I say unto all, watch. 
I love that. Jesus makes a clear sound there, doesn't he? He says, everybody, all people, you should be watching. Watching for what? The second coming of Christ. You see, the Bible tells us we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the times and the seasons, First Thessalonians chapter 4 says. And instead of being divisive in the church and making that your, your sort of your thing you're into, wouldn't it be great if all of us said, let's be watchmen on the wall concerning the second coming of Christ? Because I see a lot of the stuff we're, we're seeing here, it's pointing to the last days. And, and we have a greater message. It's not the message about us meeting in a building. That's more of a self-centered thing. I want to have you guys here. I want to meet. We're not forsaking anything. We're just patiently enduring until we can meet again here. Uh, forsaking is, is the guy that says, I'm never going to church again. Uh, that's not what we're doing. It's a small issue. The big issue is Christ's return is coming. It's soon. And you are called to be a watchman according to Jesus. He said, everyone, all, you're called to watch. Be a watchman on the wall. And when you're at work or talking to people and they're saying, what about this coronavirus? You can say the Bible says in the last days, plagues and pestilence would come, including pandemics and disease. That's part of the description that Jesus gave. And you can talk about the earthquakes in diverse places and wars and rumors of war and, and all this other stuff that the, the Bible talks about. There's so much to talk about. Let's make our, our message uh, unified that it's, it's about Christ and his coming. Not, it's not about the logistics of the coronavirus and the return to church. And be careful about what, you're, what battlefield you're fighting on right now. That's, that's something to be thinking about. So yes, you are a watchman on the wall as well as it relates to the second coming of Christ. So own it. Take part in it. It's a great day to be alive, I think, to know that Christ could come in our, the rapture of the church could happen today. It could be in our lifetime. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, I believe it's possible. Well, all that to say, let's pray and we'll close. And man, I got to say, I love you guys. I'm so thankful to be a pastor of a church like you guys. We've got so many people who are just willing to pray and support and so many people on board. I, I have to say, just I feel spoiled as a pastor to be able to pastor and shepherd a congregation like this. So let's pray and then uh, we'll close. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that it gives us clarity. I pray that the sound of the trumpet would be clear from Athey Creek, that there'd be no confusion. I pray that people that are not called to be the watchmen of a congregation would not take it upon themselves to be in a role that they're not called to be. Um, but I also pray that the congregation, the entire Lord, that we would be people watchmen on the wall as it relates to Mark 13, your coming the end days that we're living in. Help us to be pointing people to, to your son, Jesus. For we are living in those days where you could come at any moment, Lord, we feel that. So help us to not get caught up in the little things and the, and the controversial strife and contention things, Lord. Help us not be fodder uh, for the world to just look at the division in the church. But instead, may we be a light in this dark world. May we be salt and may we have effect on this, on this world, Lord, better than ever. Lord, during crisis, may your church act maturely, level-headedly. Help us to have joy even in the midst of the crisis. Bless the congregation of Athey Creek and all the churches out there trying to deal with this issue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We encourage you to take advantage of our media ministry by visiting us at atheycreek.com anytime. There we have all of Pastor Brett's Bible studies available as a free download. 